Hello, Utility Fleet World. It's Kurt Moreland, associate publisher, and we are here with another edition of Under the UFP Hood. And I'm very excited to welcome my guest, Julie Gomez of Tucson Electric Power. Julie, thanks for joining us. Thanks, Kurt. Thanks for the opportunity. I'm excited to with for this interview. Well, you're very welcome. And uh, coincidentally, and we're going to kind of touch upon this, uh, Julie was also um, the cover story of our June edition. So it really complements this podcast, which is really good. So Julie, I'm going to uh, ask my my first question to you is, uh, how did you get involved in the in the fleet business? And um, how did you get involved uh, at Tucson Electric Power? And I'm going to kind of give a hint uh, based on the June article. You kind of worked your way up through the, the corporate ladder, didn't you? Yep, I sure did. And in the beginning, I did not have fleet on the radar at all. So I started at the company in customer service. And that was where my recent experience was at the time. One of the things that I liked that was in the article was that you said, being in customer service played to your advantage because you kind of had to learn everything about your company and that that some of that knowledge uh, transferred over. Right, because after about a three-month training, the company expects you to be ready to answer any question that is wide right of questions that customers call in with. I was not only brand new to the department, I was brand new to the company, so understanding, well, and to the industry, so understanding how the electricity works from a customer's perspective and not so much what the fleet has, you know, how the fleet is involved with the customer's experience, but the background of knowing how the company provides a service to the customer and that in the end, our ultimate goal is to provide that reliable service. It gave me the background to think, okay, if I'm making decisions related to vehicles and the fleet, I need to know the overall vision of the company and what our purpose is in the community. Um, so there are some, you know, fine details that I learned, you know, what departments do what and who uh, I can turn to if I have questions on top of account information, which I really didn't take with me to fleet, but it's more of the the networking and understanding all that, that webbing and connections within a company. Yeah, and by the way, a shout out to our editor, Sean Lydon. We did a great job on the article. And I'm going to quote the article. I love this quote. This is you. I like how fleet affects the entire company and business across all departments. Absolutely. Just about every department has to use a vehicle at some time to do their business. And it reminds the fleet department not, not only how important it is that we exist, but also how important it is that we do our job the best we can to make sure they have vehicles to use to further, you know, further the business, further whatever projects are going on, whether they're starting new infrastructure or doing maintenance. Um, it's really neat also to understand each of the unique scenarios <clears throat> that occur with the different types of vehicles. So you've got a pickup truck and one department may use it more of like a people mover and just go around, visit job sites. And then you've got another department that may use that exact same pickup truck for something completely different, more of uh, 
towing tools around or um, have specialty equipment installed in it, but it's the same truck, right? But it's treated different ways and we need to be aware of that to be successful as a fleet department. That sounds good. Let's uh, use that as a springboard and talk a little bit about your fleet. Um, you have about a thousand uh, vehicles. So we have about a thousand vehicles. We support Tucson Electric Power and we have a sister company. So the overall fleet count that our department just manages is more in the lines of 1,500. And being in Tucson, being in the desert, and we'll we'll do a deeper dive into this later, there must be uh, uh, quite a bit of versatility in your fleet. Um, I'm really interested in the way you use all-terrain vehicles in the desert. Well, because it's the desert, it doesn't necessarily mean we need like vehicles that can only drive in you know the sand or the dirt. I think our more unique piece of equipment that we have that's for our um, environment is maybe four-wheel drive. <laughs> there, there, There isn't anything super specialized it really in the vehicles that we use here in the desert. We have some um, places that are a little higher elevation. So we've got a mountain in Tucson, Mount Lemon, and we have a special track mobile that goes up and we have some communication towers that are they're way up towards the top of that mountain that we use. And that nece- that isn't necessarily desert specific, but that's something that's a little different for that type of terrain. That sounds really good. So um, on the, in the article, there's a really beautiful photo of you in front of a couple of EVs. Tell us a little bit about uh, what you're doing as far as sustainability and um, what EVs you're using in your fleet. Sure. So over the last four years, our focus has really been just replacing passenger vehicles. So that's sedans, SUVs. So when those are due for replacement, we're buying something that plugs in. We've bought um, several Nissan Leafs, Chevy Bolts. We've gotten some plug-in hybrid vehicles. We have Mitsubishi Outlanders. We've got a couple Pacifica minivans and um, some Ford Fusions. That has really been our focus. Um, We do have some reservations for some EV pickup trucks, and that's the next class of vehicles that we hope to replace some of our gasoline vehicles with these electric pickup trucks. When we get our hands on some, then we'll pass them around to the different departments and see um, if there are any limitations. And that will really drive how soon and how many we replace at a time. But we're focusing on this smaller class, light duty class of vehicles. And it's been successful. The ones we've got in the fleet, you know, it's between certain departments that that's just the only type of vehicle that they need is something to put some people in and and travel around town. Um, It works great in our motor pool. And we've got some charging stations that uh, we're looking into that technology to install more charging stations on the property because we don't have very many, but we have some. So that's also kind of another avenue for of EVs and electrification that we're going down. I like that you're not using just one EV. You're kind of spreading it around. You're kind of trying them all, looking for a lot of different solutions. I like that. Yeah, we, we want to be versatile because that's what our current fleet is. And we, we didn't really want to challenge the employees to tailor their business and their work 
to the vehicle. We wanted to exchange their vehicle with something like what they're already driving. I like that you brought up EV charging stations because this has kind of been my my new hot topic lately. You know, everybody seems to be getting a handle on the vehicles, but the charging stations, uh, especially with you, again, being down in Tucson, being down in a, a desert area, uh, have there been any challenges you guys have run into um, with charging stations other than rattlesnakes or anything like that? <laughs> I would say some challenges we've run into are more internal. So we want to take our time to really understand the different types of charging stations. And even when we get our our mind wrapped around one type, you know, that is just an ever-changing area that we've got a different, we've got a provider that builds their charging stations one way and then the platform that they use is a little different and some the same as as their competitor. So getting our head wrapped around that to make a good decision on which ones we're going to buy next, that's what we've been taking our time on. I was going to say the actual hardware, um, we have yet to see how the sun is impacting the charging station. Some, the fading of the outside, the screens, we can see somewhere just because of the heat and they're right outside and, and really don't have much cover. But... We're, we're taking our time and really understanding which charging stations do we want and how many, because when we buy a bunch and then um, technology is going to change and we're, the next set we'll buy, we'll probably have even more features and, and be even better for, um, for us. So that's, we're putting a lot in planning. We're putting a lot of time in planning right now. Wow. Those are, those are some good tips because, you know, at first, I thought there were only a, a few options for chargers, but the more I get out there, there's dozens and 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 dozens. And I, I like your point about the technology is changing, so you really do have to shop around. Yeah, and listening to peers, listening to other utility companies that maybe are a few steps ahead of us, and learning from what they've learned has been very helpful too. You know, saying how um, either sharing information about what actual hardwares work better for them or even going, hey, this is our approach and now we've changed and now we're including all these other questions when we go out to bid or when we go talk to a vendor. And having that information at the start for us has helped us to not have to relearn what they learned. Um, So there's a lot of sharing of information that has been awesome between utility companies especially. Yeah, and that's part of the reason for this podcast, too. And although we have our roots in the utility fleet market, I like to think this podcast is for any fleet manager in any market. And especially I'm proud the utility fleet managers are really leading the charge electrification. Was that a pun? Was the pun intended there? Leading the charge? Oh, I like that. (laughs) I didn't even realize I made that pun, but I'm, I'm going to steal that. I should have just said EVs instead of electrification. But yeah. Anyway. Yeah. No, no, that's that's really good. Well, listen, we're going to uh, we're gonna have a little bit of fun now here in the middle. You know, I always like to have a good wildlife encounter story. And so you are down in Tucson, you know, I, I'm out of the Midwest. 
So we don't have some of the creatures here that you have there. Do you, do you have a good wildlife encounter story for us? I do. I do. Uh, one evening after work, I pull into my driveway, park my car, and what I kind of my routine is I put a bunch of stuff in my passenger seat. So I'm here gathering all the stuff that I put in my passenger seat to try to hold as many things as I can as I'm exiting the vehicle. And I realize when I step away from the door to close it that there's a tarantula maybe six inches from my foot. And he's just standing there. And I thought, uh, and my first reaction that I remember was kind of jumping back and saying some choice words, um, trying to shut the door without it running towards me and then bolting into the driveway. Well, the funny story is that we have a camera outside that points to our driveway. So my husband thought it was real funny to just see what I was doing and really how I reacted. Yeah, it was pretty embarrassing watching the video. And he thought it was funnier to then post it on Facebook for our friends and family to watch too. <laughs> it was Put scary. It on a loop. Is it, is it a, so it's a <laughs> gift out there somewhere, right? That, 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 right? Uh-huh. That's right. And, and and I wouldn't expect it, that it um, would have come and attacked me because I was probably more scared of me than I was of it. But that's a pretty big spider. It 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 jumped too, huh? <laughs> yeah, it did. It, it ran away, but it wasn't towards me, thank goodness. Please, please tell me you didn't have sandals on. No, no, I didn't. <laughs> so, you, so you did have closed shoes. If it, I did. Oh, yeah, that would have been scary. So for those people who've never seen a tarantula before, I was out in California following some friends through the California desert. And I'm going to date myself now. There used to be a, a show called The Adams Family where this hand mm-hmm. walked across a table. And that's what I saw going across the road. It looked like a man's hand walking across the the highway. And I just, I was not ready for that. I didn't realize that they grow to be that big. Yeah. That's scary. Well, that's that's a great story. I don't know if I'm going to sleep well tonight, though. <laughs> so let's, let's get back to business a little bit. Um, I always like to touch upon shop maintenance. And again, I'm going to refer back to the article. I, I love this quote. You said you didn't come into it pretending to know everything about shop maintenance and you had to learn the culture. Tell me a, a little bit about that. Well, through my career prior to TEP, I hadn't been in any type of shop environment. So knowing that the department now that I'm working in my primary place was in the office, but we had our own mechanic shop and I have to interact with all the employees in the shop too. Knowing that it's totally different than working in an office, <laughs> right? You've got the actual physical environment of it is different and you've got the interactions between people are different. Um, it was fun to have that experience, even if that wasn't what I was doing for my eight hours a day. You know, I was able to visit the shop, spend some time with some of the mechanics, understand, you know, the tooling they use and really how the processes are in the shop. It's this well-oiled machine, unintended, no, <laughs> um, to see how work gets done, 
and just the levels of expertise that each mechanic had based on their experience and and the vehicles that they've worked on and it, yeah it was really neat that it wasn't just what from a, a, you know retail customers point of view of when they take their vehicle to the shop they just hand over the keys and say hey it's making this clanky noise and and then you you don't really see what goes on when they're fixing it and maybe you're not even very interested in it um but it's it's like i got to go behind the scenes and that shop environment and go wow okay this is this whole world back here is really interesting and it you know it helped me to appreciate what the shop did and then just how our overall department works well together and and we need you know both parts to be successful and at the same time uh it's a fresh set of eyes so you know one of one of the challenging things i've found in business is when i i have worked places where people will tell me well we this is the way we've done it the same way for the last 20 years, you know. So I'm sure you brought that office perspective there and maybe that was uh, allowed you to streamline some things. Yeah, yes. Yeah, things as simple as going from handwriting something on a piece of paper to saying, hey, you know, I know an easier way. If you were to type it up, then it's easier to interpret if you're sharing with other people and you can send it in an email. Even things that like that were, at the time I started, our mechanics were just getting into getting their own laptops and understanding how to use some of the Microsoft programs and email access was then now more available. So I had skills that I said, hey, you know, let me help you. You can, you can try to do what you did without the computer and just have it on standby, but that's not really the purpose of why you have the computer now. Um, so the folks leading the project to, to kind of transition that, they did lean on people in the office to help and to really show the mechanics, hey, just try it, and it's it's going to work better for you for sure. To build on that with your office background, how did that help you with like... Uh, GPS, telematics, and all, all the technology. Did you, you know, kind of mainstream that with your your company? Because I know a lot of people in utility offices have been very valuable with uh, processing the data of telematics. When we first introduced it, the focus was safety. And it still is. Right? We want to know where the vehicles are in case there's an emergency or we need to respond to something, it just helps us to be more efficient. But the more we understood what it was capturing, then the data piece really started to show. Where it's, okay, well, let's understand, you know, let's pull in mileage from telematics and put it into our fleet management software. Let's now look at idling. Now let's look at, you know, utilization and all the different numbers that we didn't have at our fingertips before we had telematics. Um, we created another role in our department to focus on data analytics. We have a data analyst now. And prior to knowing what telematics could bring, we, you know, that position didn't seem important. So yes, um, being able to have someone focused on looking at the data, helping it helping us to understand it, to then make better business decisions, ultimately keeping vehicles longer, helping business areas use their vehicles better, 
or find out, you know, where there's some weaknesses that we can say, hey, this is how your drivers are using the vehicle and this is how it's affecting the vehicle, the company, it's being more expensive, whatever the case is, and then saying, help us to fix it, right? And having that backup information just paints the picture better. While we're on the uh, shop maintenance subject, we've got to take advantage of your experience of working with a fleet in hot desert conditions. So I would like to know what are some things that you do or people can do um, to help um, prepare their fleet for dangerously hot weather? I, but back to the shop maintenance and the heat, are there certain uh, additives you use in coolant, tires, anything that you do with the tires, um, just uh, tips like that that you could pass on to our listeners? Yeah, the main consumables, the main things that are affecting our fleet because of the hot weather are tires and batteries. And obviously we have a lot of AC repairs. What we try and concentrate on in the PMs and the routine maintenance is, you know, we're watching the condition of the tires. We stress that to the employees and the drivers because um, if it's a vehicle that's parked a lot, then the tires dry rot faster. Um, just the impact of the pavement being so hot and their tire pressure, we have to make sure that they understand how important it is that they check their tire pressure. Um, batteries, you know, they just don't last as long when it's hot outside. So our suppliers that we lean on for batteries, they're ready, they're prepared, they've stocked up for us, <laughs> right? So we, we make sure that we have a good inventory. So when drivers when drivers need batteries replaced, then we're going to be available and change them out right away. Um, AC repairs, because they're just used so much more and they turn them way up, which is totally understandable. And we've, we've been over 100 degrees for, um, man, I think maybe about a week now. And we want to make sure our drivers are comfortable and um, stay on top of the machining we use to service the ACs and have all the supplies so when they do break that uh, we can fix them right away. Now, windshield replacements. So there's a lot of rocks and dirt and road construction. That's probably a, in a lot of places. Um, and when those rocks get kicked up in the air on the freeway, you know, it's inevitable. They hit our windshield and we've got a couple suppliers ready so we can change out some windshields. Any tips on coolant? Is there a certain brand or mixture that you guys? Uh, no, you know, not that I'm aware of, Kurt. There's nothing, no specialized uh, coolant that we put in our vehicles. I think more so that we monitor the levels and we make sure that drivers are that they understand how important it is too. The, these are all great tips. Yeah, tell us, a, let's go a little bit deeper on the tires. So is it just, you know, you're driving in the uh, down hot highways that the pavement's almost boiling? Does that, that probably causes the treads of the tires to come off quicker? I don't know if there have been any, or, or we haven't performed any studies on it, but just understanding you know, the quality of tires we pick is important. 
right? Because if we go with ones that are just not as good a quality, then more likely they're not going to last because of that extra wear that goes on them. I, you know, the dry heat is a big factor too. So that's why we pick good quality tires because, you know, it impacts them. And um, the last thing we need is to go on a bunch of service calls for tires when we could remedy that by buying good quality tires up front. That's a great tip as well. Well, you were um, involved in, I believe, the first EUFMC Electric Utility Fleet Managers Conference in Williamsburg, the first uh, Women of Utility Fleet meeting. Yes, sir. Yep. And, and it was well attended. So we, for the inaugural event, since Women in Utility Fleet, we just started it, um, we just had as a breakfast and it was really more of a networking opportunity for women who attended to be able to meet each other, uh, exchange information, talk about. We we had these questions on the table. They were like icebreaker questions that were geared towards fleet. Just talk about what each of the different representatives and their companies, what they experience and, and just sharing ideas. Um, where we're going to take it next, that's still to be determined. So the same women who attended the breakfast were reaching out, just kind of getting a survey on what expectations they may have for women in utility fleet, along with, you know, our own internal board planning. And then it may look different next year. Yeah, that's fantastic that you did it. You know, um, utility fleet professional is a woman-owned company. So uh, I, I applaud you guys for doing that. How did it come about? Was that something that the EUFMC staff came up with or did you champion that or how did how did it come about? Actually, we saw an uptick in women fleet representatives attend just over the past, I would say, maybe two years. And in 21, um, after I think it was our, fi our final dinner, we had one fleet representative. She wanted to gather all the women together and take a picture. And it, and that picture really kind of opened our eyes as a board to say, wow, okay, there's interest and there's like this community here that we um, should do something about, right? So there were some fleet representatives who were curious to know, hey, um, would we be doing something just specifically for women and um our director, Ann Brown Haley, she also had, you know, in the back of her mind that there have been interests in the past. And I think with the increase of women fleet attendees and just, you know, kind of what had happened in 2021 and um, just kind of the overall culture, too, is what really drove us to say, all right, let's go ahead and start for 2022. Let's let's uh, plan an event. And then that's when we just started with the breakfast. That's fantastic. I'm glad it was a success, and I certainly hope that uh, you can uh, build upon it. Yeah, thank you. You bet. Well, I'm going to kind of wrap up here. I mean, we got a lot of great uh, information, and I I thank you for being interviewed in our in our June uh, Utility Fleet Professional issue. If people haven't seen that, they can go to utilityfleetprofessional.com on our website and click on the issue and read the article and certainly hope that they tune into the podcast. And if, if any of the uh, ladies out there want to join uh, an organization, how can they get a hold of you? So on our EUFMC website, there um, is contact information, and that's where we'd be updating 
on what their future event looks like. Perfect. Well, again, Julie Gomez, thank you so much of Tucson Electric Power for being our guest. A lot of great information, and thank you for that tarantula story that'll be ingrained in my mind for many years. And I just want to remind all of our listeners and everybody out there to roll safe. Thanks, Kurt. The views, information, and opinions expressed during this podcast are solely those of the individuals involved and do not necessarily represent those of the utility business media and its employees. It is strongly recommended that you discuss any actions or policy changes with your company management prior to the